But when you talk about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Don't you know it's gonna be Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And we are, it's a Friday Night Lights edition of the podcast. Yes. And we are recording on some different equipment. Yes, we are uh, going where no one has gone before. The last frontier. Yeah, we've switched back to um, a mic that you were using originally and a new mic that I've received via Amazon. Right, and, and you did duly sterilize that so none of my communicable diseases will be spread onto you no so yeah so we should so please if you're a listener let us know if we sound better or worse yes feedback we appreciate that we appreciate feedback yeah so this is the friday night lights edition of the podcast right? which has gotten i would say not rave reviews but maybe raving right yeah it's kind of uh i mean they're not beating down our door but they're looking our way kind of glancing Longingly at us. So that's kind of a, that's a bad analogy. I'm sorry. It's best I could do. And we're pleased to announce that we actually will also have forthcoming Thomas Halick on the podcast. Yes. Very excited about that. And that's, that's began by teaching people the proper way to pronounce his name. Tomash Halik. All right. So we <laughs> I've been practicing that as I drive around though. So, and I'll probably still get it wrong. No, we're very excited, excited about this. And um, as you know, we have been um, really captured by his thinking, and uh, we do read other things, but we have been steadily working our way through Brother Tomas. Other and stranger things. By the way, I just fixed my microphone angle. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't really know how to use this microphone yet, but... So, basically, we are going to take a break today. Right. From Helik. Even though, although I have a quote over here for him, I might use later well, on. That doesn't mean we can't use. Yeah, a quote, no, I'm kidding. But, I'm kidding. So uh, we want to talk today about an important topic. To I would argue, uh, just civic life today. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things I think it's um, you know many of us of a particular uh, perspective, those of us who care about the human race. Uh, have been. <laughs> I, I like how we're really narrow it down. So basically, you're with us or you're against us. Right, yeah. Where, where you at? We're not talking about abortion or the death penalty or health care. Where are you at on the human race? <laughs> yeah, are you for or against it? And it seems to me that an awful lot of this, uh, uh, an attempt to pass a uh, repeal and uh, replace Obamacare, uh, which is, seems to be going down in flames today, uh, it's been actually horrifying listening to... Uh, the kind of things they want to take out. And, you know, they were just trying to get a bill done. It didn't matter what was good for the American people. But I think this is this podcast is a bit of corrective because many of us, rightfully so, have been critical of uh, what seems to be a callousness on the part of the right, although it's hard to say exactly what Donald Trump is. But those around him, certainly, there's some reactionary stuff going on, a lot of different agendas. But uh, lest we forget... As Martin Luther one time said to his followers, there are as many sinners on our side as there are on theirs. So we want to talk a little bit about the phenomena of the fundamentalism of the left. Yes, and I think we would, we'll start, you think, with uh, the strange rece- reception of Brother Tim Keller. Yes, I think uh, both we both are connected to that institution in New Jersey, so... Uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, for those of you who don't. By the way, we're talking about Penco Tech. (laughs) (laughs) As a kid, I would like watch daytime television and like watch this like like geez, like I could be a truck driver or a hairdresser. That's right. We uh, that's right. I've got my certification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we could do that in the bunker. I mean, I don't think we could do truck driving, hairdressing. We could, we could. That could be. By the way, we are deeply offended because someone today referred to Trump and the cronies around him as being in the bunker. And I think we have that copyrighted. Yeah, we have the bunker. We are the bunker. We are the bunker. So uh, our lawyers will be talking to their lawyers very soon. Uh, yes, but let's talk about uh, the interesting uh, uh, drama that has taken place over the last week or so at Princeton Theological Seminary around the awarding an invitation uh, to Tim Keller, or Tim Keller of the Kuiper Award and the uh, subsequential taking back the award from Tim Keller, but he's still coming to speak. I just want to quote Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack. Keep it fair. Keep it fair. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you uh, enlighten those of us who don't know about this, what happened? Well, Tim Keller is a pastor in the Presbyterian Church of America, which is a one of, one of the, I was going to say, it's the, the splinter denomination yeah, from, and, the, from the main from the Presbyterian Church, but no Presbyterian Church in America gets a definite article. There's so many of them, right? They all are splinters, you know. Uh, so I remember one time being part of a discussion saying we got to be against sectarianism, and I go, "We are a sect, and uh, and a increasingly becoming insignificant one at that." But uh, yeah, Presbyterianism. Matter of fact, even go back to Scotland. The only thing they could consistently agree upon was let's kill British people, but <laughs> let's kill British soldiers. So the Presbyterianism has been contentious from its origin. And uh, the, piece the only of- thing I don't like is intolerance and the duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the best line from uh, that movie. Austin Powers. The three. Austin Powers three. Um, but yeah, the PCA was a break off from the Southern Presbyterian church. Uh, they said it was over the issue of uh, strict interpretation of the Westminster Catechism and women's ordination. It conveniently happened during desegregation as well, but that's a whole other story. So there's there's a shadow side to the split as well. What is your favorite Presbyterian splinter denomination that's right of center? Uh, I might have to go uh, with the um, – well, for just sure – pure entertainment, I would go with the Reformed Presbyterians, the remnant of Carl McIntyre. There aren't too many of them left, but he was just a fun guy on so many levels. Did you know about them? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out my own answer to the question. I don't. I have such an affinity for all of them. Yeah, I, I like the Presbyterian Church of Ireland. They're pretty, they're right of center, and they're a, they're a fun bunch. I actually had some good times with them in a kind of mitigated way years ago. I don't know who, I, I can't. See, I, that's all right, I want to say OPC, ARP. I don't know. It's yeah. very complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's like... Uh, Lest anybody think we're provincial right. as people, uh, we're debating our favorite Presbyterian spirit. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's like saying, do you want vanilla ice cream or do you want... Vanilla bean. Vanilla bean ice cream or do you want vanilla ice cream that's been in the freezer too long? <laughs> it's kind of Those are the options you're giving me right now. So Tim Keller, I mean, important to the story is Tim Keller was teaching at Westminster Seminary. Um, he wound up in the PCA because I heard an interview with him years ago where he said basically he was devastated with insecurity as a college student. He went to Bucknell and he went to counselors and 
from the university and they said, well, you know, one of the counselors said, the best one said, well, just Tim, you play the clarinet, right? Yeah. Well, just pretend when you feel insecure that you're at the Met or something, you know, you're, you're at the biggest you know, thing in the Northeast and you're playing clarinet and everyone's applauding. He's like, that worked for like almost a day until I realized it's bullshit. No one's really, t- <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so he said, you know, basically these people in their varsity told me about Jesus and that he accepted me and my sins were paid for and that he invited me into a new adventurous approach to yeah. life. And so he becomes, a, you know, the king of intervarsity at Bucknell eventually, still ridden with insecurities. He wound up in the PCA because it was a startup denomination. He was still so insecure. He thought he could never be in a denomination where there was an old boys network. <laughs> or something like that. So that, you know, and he tells Pat stories about like basically voicemail uh, is the best gift for an insecure person like him doing pastoral visits or pastoral calls because it's like Niebuhr says you could leave a note on the door and you get credit for the visit. He would just like when people called and they didn't answer, he would leave these sympathetic voicemails like, Oh gosh, I got through that. And he's teaching at Westminster seminary and a bunch of evangelicals want to plant a church in New York city. And because they were like, look, we don't have a place to take thoughtful people that want to hear about Jesus, the gospel, things like that. So the PCA assigns Keller, who's teaching pastoral care and preaching or something at Westminster, to help them pick candidates. Well, Keller lines up three candidates, and they veto all three. And he's like, well, I don't know what we do. And they say, we want you. He's like, well, you don't understand. I'm not up for candidacy. I mean, I'm a professor at Westminster. And so we want you. He prayed about it and eventually decided to go there and had a celebrated legacy uh, of, and, and a lot of, I mean, Nicholas Kristoff emails this guy with questions. I mean, right. this guy has a, has a, you know, if the Kuiper Prize, which it is a Princeton, is for theology in public life. I mean, it's not even Christian theology. They've given it to Jonathan Sachs, who I love, Dignity of Difference, one of the best books I've read in the last 10 years, you know, chief rabbi of the UK, but he, he is Jewish. <laughs> and, and, and some of the critiques of the Keller, of giving Keller the prize were he compromises Central values, which it does get, you know, I'm, you know, you and I are, are both not complementarians. Uh, we are, we are not with the PCA on women's issues or sure. other issues of inclusion. But, you know, this guy is a, an Orthodox, generously Orthodox Christian who then they took away the prize because of a sort of alumni and faculty uproar. And some students, yeah, protesting that uh, because he belongs to a denomination that neither ordains women or gay and lesbian folks, that he's contrary to PCUSA values. There was a funny, I think you actually liked it, there was a funny thing on, uh, maybe it was from, was it not from the, was it from The Onion? I don't remember what it was from, um, where it said, uh, PC, the PCUSA uh, uh, are inclusive of everybody that agrees with them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think to me this is, just, and again, I uh, actually, you know, I loved my years at Princeton. Uh, I came from a very conservative area, and really, the, you know, I was doing youth work there. I was really alienated from most of the Christians in that community because this was right at the beginning of the, uh, um, you know, religious right, uh, uh, the uh, moral majority, Robbins, you know, uh, Jerry Falwell, and, and I was in a huge, you know, area where, you know, the Christians were, you know, right in line with that stuff. Matter of fact, I ended up going to a midnight church for a couple of years just because 
it was the only place that they weren't talking that way in my community. And so when I, you know, was, when I was so excited. Going, I always wanted to start a movement, the immoral majority. <laughs> I was so excited when I had an opportunity to go to Princeton because I was, you know, I just was looking forward to be around open-minded, progressive thinking. And again, I had an amazing education there. Very thankful for that education. But one of the things I remember, and maybe I've told that story on this, on a pod, previous podcast, but you know, I'm sitting, you know, three months into it, and, I'm, and it's not one of my lectures. It's like some sort of special talk that's going on. And it finally dawned on me that why, why does this feel so familiar? And I realized that these were just rednecks using big words. In other words, they were as close-minded as, uh, as the, you know, in some level, sometimes mean conservatism that I grew up around. And, um, you know, I, 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 I've, you know, bemoaned, and we have bemoaned the fact that there are really very few open-minded people, truly open-minded people. And, and the academy should be a place where you actually listen to people disagree with you. But there is a kind of totalitarianism on the left. Uh, this is, in some levels, a kind of mild and embarrassing example of it, partially because these people you know, profess to be Christians. But, um, you know, there is just really a disturbing kind of, of – um, and again, I don't want to use the word politically correctness because that's the catchphrase – that you know, Trump just uses to, and other people use to kind of. I mean, it's censorious. Yeah, right? like yeah. It, it, it's basically you're censored if you don't, if you say something that's outside the mainstream. And it's funny they censor Bill Maher. Like, yeah, Bill I, Maher was slated to speak as a commencement speaker at Berkeley, and because of things he said about Islam, and not even about like, I mean, he's a tolerant guy, but he said like, hey, we just have to. Talk about the fact that, like, well, I think he's intolerant when it comes to religion. He's not a tolerant guy when he talks about religion frequently. I, I mean, I, but nonetheless, that's a position that's allowed to be had. Well, yeah, and also a lot of the people that wanted him banned for the comments on Islam like his comments on Christianity and Judaism. Right. In other words, they you, you agree, you know, um, to agree with me is to be right. You know, it's interesting. I told you a little bit. I, I had a couple. I had several conversations this week with people who are not Christians and have a lot of uh, antagonism towards Christianity. But one person was open to talk. You know, they were talking. They were interested. In fact, we got talking about the Pope, and they got talking about the uh, women's issue in the Catholic Church. And it was a very—this person wanted to learn, uh, and, you know, there were some things that she didn't realize that, you know, I was able to talk about. And it was an interesting conversation. Another conversation basically ended with saying— you know, once you get over whatever your inner psychological fears are, you will no longer be part of organized religion, and you will have the freedom to have a spirituality that you get to define yourself. And I said, that doesn't sound like freedom to me. That sounds a little bit like a kind of egotism or, you know, uh, or at least a kind of an anti-being related to other people. And uh, the person said, you just need to go to a yoga class. So that was, that was their response to me. I regularly do yoga. I couldn't handle a microphone transition before we started recording. I mean, I got, you know, like I don't, jeez. Uh, Actually, and I, I've been trying to do some yoga stuff just for stretching. So, um, so I, I'm working on that. I, but uh, trust me, the way as as limber as I am, I need to. I'm looking for a yoga class that the average age is 80. I feel like maybe that would be that's where I need to start for self esteem purposes. No, just so they go to pace I can deal with. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like th- so part of where we're at as a culture is just, you know, whether you're conservative or liberal, I mean, 
and these things, political disagreements and religious and ideological disagreements, well, um, they, these disagreements you shall always have with you. Yes. But, but there's a time when like certain seasons in life and history become, you can't disagree without disagreeability and, right. and animus. And I feel like wherever you are, right? Like I feel like it's, it, everybody can say we're kind of at one of those seasons in life. And I, I just don't know that, I, I think that decisions like, the, I actually, I want to applaud Craig Barnes for his initial decision. And again, I mean, not for the retraction, but for the initial decision to have Keller. And I think, uh, and again, we're not, you know, new persuasive words. It's not a church or anything like that, but we're, uh, we're two people in a bunker. Right. I mean, we, we would not agree with Keller on many of the cultural well, hot and, issues. And I, you know, I said, I'm not a Keller fan. I'm not against him. But I am a Keller fan. You are a Keller fan. So, but I'm, that doesn't mean I agree with Keller. No, no, I know. But I, what I'm saying is I'm not defending him because I'm a Kellerite or someone who even has appreciated that much what he's done. I mean, but there's a larger principle here. Now, again, I'm not saying that uh, people who don't believe in ordination of women are right. But how many members in the what, how many Presbyterian USA folks are there in the world? Uh, Less probably close less than a million. I mean, the number keeps going down, but there might be one point two million or whatever. Uh, the vast majority of Christians, Roman Catholics, Orthodox, you know, in other words, over a billion Christians agree with Tim Keller. Right. And and so for me, um, I mean, again, that doesn't mean the majority is right, but to as a one of the preeminent uh, Protestant theological places of learning in the entire world not to be at least open to diversity of opinions. And it's not a justice issue. I mean, Tim Keller has his position not because it's prejudice. It's a, it's a theological issue. Yeah, and Tim Keller would say a woman could be president of the United States or CEO of Google. I mean, he would, he, like, again, I'm not a complementarian, but I know compliments. Some of my best friends are complementarian. <laughs> you know, I mean, they would say, I mean, they're not um, trying to, uh, send us back to the stone age around issues of gender. And again, the, we both speak from a point of disagreement right, like, with them. But like, but the fact is, I don't, you know, that's, it seems like a charitable thing to invite a guy that probably could teach mainline Protestantism, some things about church planning, uh, there's a lot about things. things and, you but, know, but I don't think, let's be honest, Princeton Theological Seminary doesn't care about being Christian because uh, he was a non-Trinitarian. They wouldn't have a problem with him if he didn't believe in the divinity of Christ. I mean, there's plenty of those folks they bring in. So the fact of the matter is that— Well, I would say that like, it's not that they don't care about being Christian, because you and I would have a non-Trinitarian in a conversation together, you know, on this podcast or in, in, in private or public life. Or, but it's that the, the reasons to, to sort of be in an uproar and— walk back something that is, or, you know, you're say, if people are saying that the, this is compromises essential values, well, is, is a certain view on who can be ordained uh, more important than the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who people that could never confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And also, I don't know if Jonathan Sachs, as the chief rabbi of the UK, I don't know if they have female rabbis in, in his I mean, in, in Judaism. There are different provinces, but I'm just saying there. No, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they in his he does. Well, his they, so there you go. I mean, well, I think the issue is too. For instance, I, I wouldn't have a problem if a 
gave the word award to a Hindu or a Muslim doing good work. I mean, I knew I actually I know some Muslims who would probably, given the, the definition of the award, you know, who are doing some really good work in that kind of area. Uh, the problem is, in some levels, uh, their core the core values do not include the Trinitarian affirmation of the Church or the two nature Christology of Chalcedon, and that may be something one should look at within oneself a bit. Um, we might get a like on social media from Steve Lipless, like a clear statement on the Trinity and two natures Christology from New Persuasive Words. So, we just endorsed it. So, so for instance, I mean, I have no, actually, I've never had any problem with anyone who came to speak there when I was there, regardless of where they are, because I, it was, I saw primarily as a religious higher place of learning. And so, therefore, there's room for every possible position there. Obviously, uh, a position that uh, 95% of the Christians hold in the world doesn't count. And again, I disagree with that position. I disagree with it strongly. There's a, there's a larger principle here of intellectual and academic freedom that this gets by. And in some levels, this gives red meat to, those, uh, to the minions that elected Donald Trump because it isn't fair. It's not open-minded. And it is, it is a kind of bigoted elitism that uh, when we see it in people of the right, it, we are deeply offended and deeply troubled by it. I think we should be troubled by it when we look in the mirror. Yeah, and my teacher, Jeff Stout, uh, in his book, Democracy and Tradition, says, you know, the more the elite political schools and law schools assign John Rawls, who's kind of like, oh, there's no place for religion values in the, in the public square. You have the naked public square. You have to just sort of imagine you're a naked subject and what rights do you want. Like The more that Rawls is assigned in the law schools and the government schools, the more kind of the Harawas and Milbank and Benedict Option type of texts get assigned in the divinity schools. So if we want a shared life together with, you know, I mean, you know, part of the calling of, of Abraham is a blessing to all the nations. And, 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 you know, God's word to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, is sort of seek the shalom of Babylon. Right. And, and we don't, you know, America's Babylon, but it's a nice Babylon. I mean, it's, it's a Babylon worth, yes. <laughs> worth rolling up your yeah, sleeves they, yeah, and trying hang, to be empathetic. Yeah, the hanging and, gardens still seem to be work, although I heard that the hanging gardens or cut in this recent budget. <laughs> but I, I think, again, when I see this thing that happened in Princeton, uh, I see a Trump rally. That's what I, I actually see. I see a left version of the Trump rally. And what, like the article we referred to last week in well, Atlanta. Which will embolden the left-wing protests of conservative speakers <laughs> yeah. who actually so, have something to say at college campuses. It will embolden rally after rally after know, rally. I know. You know, I think um, that article we referred to last week that, you know, the Atlantic, I think it's in the April issue of the Atlantic was online, is that we as Christians need to take a step away from this kind of really non-religious culture war that's going on, where the tenor of it's gone much higher. This was an opportunity to demonstrate a different way. And we, uh, or we, I'm not we, but Princeton Theological Seminary, I think, went the way of the Trump rally. And, um they may not see that, but I think that's how it looks to a lot of people. Well, I think we're going to go to the lecture. We are? April 6th? Um, yeah, we might. Yeah, maybe we'll go. I mean, I was going to go uh, groundhog hunting that day, but we'll see. Well, so we will um, <laughs> keep you abreast of 
our thoughts on this. The few people in the world that care what we think in the bunker. Right. We'll keep you abreast of it. And it, Yeah, and, I, and again, we, we say this again and again. All truth is God's truth, and the pursuit of truth is not something we need to be afraid of. And part of if you're going to be really open to truth, you need to be willing to listen to people who you disagree with. Uh, and you need to be willing to give them a, you know, a, a hearing. And I think that that's, uh, that's being lost. And uh, you would hope that Christians would step back away from the ledge on this one. But um, we certainly have seen it on the right uh, with uh, Brother Graham and Brother Falwell. And um, Princeton this past week gave us a version of it on the left. Yeah, and if we're justified not by our ideas or identity in our own mind or our ideology, but if we're justified by what God has done for us on our behalf, then, you know, I, I, don't, I think God's ego is big enough for us to take intellectual risk. <laughs> uh, and, and God will be, I think, gracious when we make mistakes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so... That's an invitation to doubt your doubts, believe your beliefs, and to put them in conversation. Amen. You know I'm wrong.